All right, welcome back to another episode of the Switch Central podcast. Uh, it's been a really long time, but uh, we are back. Uh, you know, we had a lot of things going on with school, but uh, we are back here to talk a lot about the crazy off season that happened in the past couple weeks. And now that we're heading towards the new season, um, we just wanted to talk about all the moves that the teams did uh, from the draft to free agency. So. Um, yeah, we'll just get right into it. So um, the draft was a couple weeks ago uh, as a recording right now. And um, although we didn't really know much about the upcoming draft class, um, we still had some winners, losers in our minds, some steals that, you know, from the draft. So um, I could start us off. Um, I'll talk about the obvious uh like pick that i liked um i really like miami's uh pick of precious achua uh so i didn't know much about him either uh and turned the draft but then once miami got to 20 uh just looking at the best available prospects i thought that precious was the best available pick um he was a double double machine when he played at memphis and um i just think he embodies what they're looking for really well, that culture style, that and then the hardworking kind of grit and grind kind of dude. And I think he'll be such a great piece alongside Bam because I think that's one thing Miami really lacked last year. Once you And I think you'll really see him in the playoffs. They kind of lacked another Bam type of player off the bench that can, you know, hold his own once the second unit comes in. And I think that's what kind of killed them in the finals. So I think... Drafting Precious was a pretty good pickup for them. And, you know, I think it'll take some time, but I think he'll play a pretty big role in this upcoming season. Once Miami pushes deep in the playoffs, I think Precious could have a pretty big role and he'll be like a complimentary piece to Bam because he can almost stretch out the floor too. He can, he shot some threes during college too. So I really like that pick, but what about you guys? Uh, I could go with a pick I really liked, which was... Uh, one that I really liked was Killian Hayes to the Pistons. I feel like just the fit with Killian Hayes on the Pistons, as like the Pistons don't have much, uh, I feel like it's just such a good fit. And I think, I honestly think next year Killian Hayes has a really good chance at winning Rookie of the Year, just based off of opportunity. Yeah, I also haven't done that much research, but. Um... A co- like I researched like top ten guys, and um, one of them I was looking at was Ovi Toppin, and uh, considering that the Knicks like they had the eighth picker, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I really thought they were gonna take uh Denny, so I was pretty disappointed when I found out they took Ovi. Like, I think he has potential to be good, but I think out of everyone, I think he has the lowest floor. So, I don't know. I think that's kind of a risk taking him instead of Denny. Yeah, I mean, Sheon is a big Denny fan, so um, we'll hold him accountable for that because he's a prophet. But, <laughs> I mean, Denny kind of, you know, it's always those European players that poses the biggest risk for any team. I feel like there's always such a gamble because, like, I feel like in the past couple years, they have all just been hits with the European players. Like Luca, Chris Stapps, those guys. But then again, you Mark have the guys Zonia. like 
yeah, yeah. <laughs> guys like Mario, Hizonia, Chiraga, and Bender. So it's such a hit or miss with that. But I feel like I can't really blame New York for going with Ovi because they, I mean, it came out like even weeks before the draft that they were really high on Ovi. And I feel like he showed, I mean, I don't really know much about Ovi too, but I feel like he showed in his last year of college that you know, I think he could hold his own. And I feel like he just fits. I mean, like, New York kind of just needed that guy that just kind of wants to play for them. And Obi, you know, I think he really wants to play for New York. So I think it's a good pickup for them. But another guy for me that kind of stood out was um, Tyrese Halliburton going to the Kings at 12 because all the mock drafts that I saw, he was, he was projected to go top 10, maybe even like top 7, top 6. You know, like they were projecting to go to like the Knicks or some other team, like maybe even the Cavs. They were, it was really high up there. But the fact that he dropped all the way down to 12 was really shocking to me. And watching his game, um, I said this to in the group chat that we have. I said that he has a really ugly shot, but I feel like that shouldn't take away anything because he can do a lot, you know, with besides from the kind of unconventional jump shot. Like he's really good at playmaking. And I just think that what De'Aaron Fox lacks at, Tyrese Halliburton is really strong at. So I think this was a really good pickup for the Kings because, you know, it's just a good complimentary piece along De'Aaron. Mm-hmm. And now that they signed into that max extension, I think those are two guys you can really build a franchise around now. And we'll see how Luke Walton uh, uh, manages with, you know, his new these new guys. But I really like that pick for the Kings as a steal for them too. Yeah, I really wanted Tyrese Halliburton to be to be drafted by the Suns, right? Like I remember telling you guys that his fit with the Suns would be so nice because he could develop with them, and then like once Chris Paul is is like once Chris Paul starts regressing, then like he would be so nice alongside Devin Booker. But the Suns ended up picking up Jalen Smith, which. I feel like everyone thought was a reach, like how they did last year with Cam Johnson. But Cam Johnson sort of have, has worked out for them. So I feel like I can't judge this pick until like it starts, like the I see like footage. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I was kind of hoping Miami, he would fall to Miami because he's definitely um, someone that my, I feel like he is the perfect, uh, what is it? replacement to Miami's weakness because I mean you guys saw in the finals the big man presence really killed Miami in the finals uh they couldn't really stop you know Anthony Davis Dwight Howard I mean they're Dwight Howard kind of regressed but there there are moments where they just couldn't stop their big men so then Jalen Smith was that dude who's like seven feet he can protect the rim he can shoot threes too I thought I thought he would be a lower first round pick but then it's just the fact that he went all day at 10 was really shocking but you know like you said i think phoenix i feel like they are pretty they're pretty competent you know they have a pretty competent front office so i feel like yeah you just can't judge until we really see how it pans out throughout the season because like cam johnson everyone you know really questioned it for him for like a 22 year old to go that high in the draft was really confusing but i mean he fits their needs so i think Jalen smith could work out too but yeah. What about you, Shayar? Um, also like I wanna talk about the Warriors because that's like, you know, a team most people were waiting to see what they were gonna do with their pick. 
and um not just like selecting wise but like trading it but you know they went with the safe pick they chose James Wiseman kind of just like filling out the hole that they have at the center position and I think that he fits like really well because he's kind of that rim protector and like athletic big man that they kind of need and um he also can like he also can kind of shoot like a mid-range and stuff so I expect him to be like really good for them yeah, I mean, hopefully he won't become a white side. <laughs> no. he, he won't live up to that comparison, but That's I hope he can so, become better. That was so depressing when I saw that comparison. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It's only me that has something against white side, but uh, I think he'll turn out to be better than that. So, I mean, other than that, I wanted to also ask about LaMelo. How did you guys feel about LaMelo going to the Hornets? I feel like it's great pick and it's like, I feel like out of the top three teams, the Hornets is probably the best for like Lamelo to shine as Timberwolves and Warriors already like have their guards. And I feel like on the Hornets, Lamelo could just shine alongside Devontae Graham. And also like this is a great fit for Lamelo, but also for the Hornets selecting him, they kind of need like, you know, more fans and stuff. So I think Lamelo, like he's going to attract more audience because they have like pretty much no like audience so yeah yeah Lamelo is definitely gonna be a you know a star whether he turns out to be good or not in his first season it's just the name itself and then I think Charlotte's finally gonna have more recognition just because of Lamelo. so that's good for them I think Charlotte was in the best position in this draft because I feel like with Anthony Edwards and James Wiseman I feel like with those top three picks, it could have gone either ways, but I feel like Charlotte was just in the best position possible because, like, I feel like Anthony Edwards, I feel like his ceiling is kind of, uh, his floor could be really bad. And I feel like with James Wiseman, they didn't really, like, Charlotte didn't really have, like, a, I don't think it would fit that well. So LaMelo was, like, the perfect pick for them. And I think just being at number three kind of, it's like kind of gives you room for comfort. So I think Charlotte was in the best position there. And with LaMelo coming in, I just feel like, you know, Justin said, I think this is the best spot for him. There's not going to be as much pressure on him because the Hornets don't have like, I feel like the expectations aren't as much as, let's say if um, LaMelo was in Minnesota or Golden State because you know, there aren't any superstars. Now it's like kind of, it kind of feels like LaMelo's team already. Now that he's on the Hornets, because, like, you know, he's, like, the biggest name, you know, even though they got Gordon Hayward, but we'll talk about that later. <laughs> I just, like, I just feel like LaMelo is kind of, like, already the, the, I mean, he is, like, the foundation for the Hornets now. He's, like, the next Kemba Walker of the franchise, and I just think this is good for LaMelo's development, too. I think, you know, staying away from the spotlight, even though he's going to get a lot of the spotlight itself, but just playing in Charlotte, whether he likes it or not, I think it's just, it's a perfect spot for him. And I, I think, I, I was, I honestly had LaMelo going first. I thought he was the best available, like, prospect, but, you know, him falling to the Hornets, I, I just hope they don't screw it up because I really want to see LaMelo pan out to be, you know, like the, his ceiling to be like, you know, a superstar and all that. So, yeah. Um, and then... Oh yeah, Shayon wanted, and we all wanted to talk about this too. Uh, Patrick Williams going fourth. Uh, so my initial reaction, 
I think I literally typed in the group chat. I was like, who is this uh, 2K my uh, auto-generated rookie? Because I did not know who Patrick Williams was. And I kind of feel bad saying that. But like looking at the mock drafts, this guy was projected to be like late lottery. Even though I saw him projected was like seven. So then when I saw him go up to four, it was like really shocking. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I heard that his... His draft stock started going really high because of his uh, draft combine workouts and everything. But still, like, I just, for a guy that, you know, he was like a sixth man in Florida. I, I know he was sixth man of the year, but still, like, going fourth, I, I don't know. And maybe in hindsight, it's not a bad pick at all. But for, for me, I can't judge it right now. But I just think that Chicago taking it at four was just a really bad it was just bad circumstances because I'm I'm pretty sure Chicago was trying their best to trade down because they knew that Patrick Williams would be available, you know, at the eighth or ninth pick around there. But it's just the fact that they couldn't get a deal done. I think it was that's just kind of what led to him going forth. And it looks bad, I think, yeah. in hindsight. But yeah, I mean, I'm not really sure. I'm yeah. sort of confused because the way I see Patrick Williams, right, just from looking at a little bit of, like, his college, like, highlights and stuff, I see him as a four, right? I don't really know if he could play the three. I see him a lot as a four. So I'm confused if the Bulls are, like, done with Laurie marketed already or whether, like, because I feel like the Bulls really needed, like, a three. And I felt like Isaac Okoro might have been, like, a better pick. But if they really like Patrick Williams, I guess, like, draft who you really like. Yeah, I mean, like, he's not a bad player at all. It's just, like, you know, you just didn't expect him to be taken that high. I think, um, you know, Denny could have been a better uh, fit for them because, you know, he's kind of like that 3-4. He can provide that playmaking, too. But, I mean, Patrick Williams, he provides with them, like, some defense. So, I think that would be good for them. But other than that, it was just, like, in the moment, it was just really, like, what are you doing, you know? Yeah, because his name was not being floated around that high. So, I mean, and he didn't play that much, too, in college, you know, considering that he had those limited minutes as a sixth man. And I feel like, well, I don't know if Chicago saw something that would, Obviously, we all didn't see, but I definitely agree what what you guys said. And then I feel like for Chicago's needs, definitely a guy like Isaac Okoro, you know, fits the need better for them because I can't see them already moving on from Lori like this because I feel like last season, the only reason why he had such a down year was because of the coaching situation, in my opinion. And his health was kind of a concern too. But I feel like they can't just, you know, if they're gonna pick up Patrick Williams and you know put him in his natural position, a uh, position, I don't think Chicago should already give up on Lori or kind of move on from him. And I don't want to see Chicago, you know, forcing Patrick Williams to play the three or something if it's not his, you know, if it doesn't fit him well. And I just, I, it's like it's just a pick that you just have to see the pan out. But like initially, it's just man, it's seriously a WTF because. There are better options available in terms of what Chicago needs to fill out with their roster. And I don't know. I feel like Patrick Williams, he just didn't show enough compared to other guys during college. So it's pretty questionable. But, you know, we'll see. 
Uh, you know, Kenny, uh, King of the Fourth Quarter said that, you know, he's going to wait too. So, I mean, if the diehard Bulls fan like him is going to wait and see, you know, we shouldn't be quick to judge already. Yeah. I also want to talk about uh, Oneka Okongu uh, going to the Hawks. At first, I was a bit confused, right? Because they traded for Clint Compella like during the last year trade deadline, I think. So then uh, I was confused why they drafted a center. But then the more I thought about it, Clint Capel's probably not in like their long-term future plans. So I feel like Onyeka could be a perfect fit alongside uh, Trey Young because Onyeka has like a lot of like Bam Adebayo in him where he could basically guard like almost all five positions. He's such a elite rim protector and like help defender too. So I feel like he would fit well with Trey Young, who's like not the great defensively. Yeah, I really like that. I really like Onyeka as a player because I remember seeing uh, once I saw the draft comparisons to Bam, I was like, okay, a Bam out of bio type of player. You know, I'm, I'm a big fan of guys like Bam. So I was watching through his high school and college highlights and. I mean, yeah, he really does have hints of Bam in him, that ability, that versatility to guard one through five. And I think, you know, you said it best. I think they thought of long-term, and I think Onyeka was the best prospect available. And it fits Atlanta's timeline really well, too. So, yeah, I think that kind of shows Clint Capella is going to be a short-term option. I think, you know, now that they went all-in this season, for in terms of, you know, getting players, I think... I feel like it'll be like a one-year experiment. They'll see how Clint turns out with um, Trey Young and the rest of the group. And if it doesn't work, I feel like Clint has a pretty tradable contract, so I could see them moving on from him in a in a year or two, maybe, uh, depending on how, I forgot how long his contract is. But I feel like they could trade him before his contract is up and then slide Onyeka back in the starting lineup to get him, you know, get, get him, like, give him a year or two to, you know, get adjusted to the NBA and get adjusted to Trey Young's style. And I think I think that would be a pretty nasty pick-and-roll duo right there, Trey Young and Onyeka, because, you know, John Collins and Trey Young already works pretty well. So I think it would turn out really well in terms of Onyeka's future in Atlanta. But, I mean, yeah, that's pretty much it, though. Um, I just like Onyeka's, you know, play style. If, if anyone like Bam, if anyone plays like Bam, I'm already a big fan of them, so... I mean, Oneka, he's going to be on my radar, radar this year, and he could low-key be like a, not a sleeper pick for Rookie of the Year, but like I could just see him, you know, playing a much bigger role than we all, intend, than a lot of people would anticipate for Atlanta, because I have, I'm banking pretty high on Atlanta this year, making the playoffs, so, I mean, I think Oneka could play a pretty, pretty big role, and I really like that pick. You want to transition to, like, the Hawks, different moves that they made during free agency. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, we can move on out of the draft now. So, yeah, we would talk more, but we don't really know much about the guys outside of the lottery. So we can move on to free agency now. And um, Justin just said, I think personally the biggest, one of the biggest winners of this free agency was Atlanta. And, you know, they made a lot of big moves. So you can go ahead, Justin. Uh, yeah, so they signed... Uh, is it Bogdan or Bojan Bogdan? Bogdan. Bogdan. They, yeah, Bogdan 
Bogdanovich from the Kings. Uh, they also signed Gallinari, and I feel like those. I feel like the uh, Gallinari it might have been a slight overpay. However, I I really like both of those those deals because they just they just like fit with the Atlanta Hawks pretty well. Like offensively, they'll be really nice. Defensively, might be a bit of a struggle still, but I feel like they can have one of the best offenses in the league next year. Yeah, and I mean, um, it really looks like the Hawks are actually trying to make like a pretty big playoff push this year. You know, signing like these players and stuff. So I think um, that's gonna be really fun to see, because you know Trey Young, like we're gonna have to see like how he, how he plays when he's actually in a setting where he needs to, you know, start winning and not just putting up the production, you know? Yeah, I think this year's going to be um, Trayon's, like, real test, first real test to see if, you know, he's not just some empty stack kind of dude. He can actually be a leader. So, I mean, everyone's going to have high hopes for the Hawks, but I think you just briefly mentioned it, Justin, but the only thing I'm really concerned about this team is defense because I feel like this is a team that would, you know, get like 130 points, but then they would give up 133. I think the defense is kind of lacking there, especially perimeter defense. I'm not really sure. I think Bogdan can place like a decent level of, you know, perimeter D, but I don't know. Because Trans still a liability, obviously, and... When you look at the starting five, or the projected starting five for the Hawks, it would be like Trey Young, Bogdan, Gallinari, John Collins, and Clint Capella. I, I know Clint Capella is a pretty good room protector, you know, but he's not versatile. He can't, like, you know, switch uh, onto guards and stuff. And John Collins, he's getting better, too, defensively, but, you know, it's still not completely there. So I'm just a little worried about the defensive side of the uh, end for the Hawks. Um, and... Another thing I was kind of questioning was Gallinari's fit with um, the Hawks because, I mean, I feel like Gallinari's kind of evolved to become a stretch four now in, in this point in his career. But, you know, John Collins obviously plays the four too. I don't think he can – I mean, obviously he can't play the five now because of Clint Capella, but would, I don't know if Gallinari would be willing to go back to the three and kind of just play that role again because I think being a stretch four really fits Gallinari's game. I think he had – I feel like he has career year playing the four on the Clippers and then on the Thunder this year. He was efficient and productive again playing the four. But I was just kind of questioning how Gallinari would fit uh, with that kind of young group now. But in general, I think the Hawks are just, uh, they're going to be a much better team this year. And then I, I wouldn't be surprised if they end up like the five, the fifth or the sixth seed maybe this year. Um, and, you know, it just all depends on Trey Young's ability to lead the team as well and i just wish galinari signed with miami but it's cool that's cool um <laughs> uh, i'm also interested in cam reddish and deandre hunter still because if they both like take a jump or at least deandre hunter he would help them out a lot defensively and i feel like for the galinari thing i feel like they might have some times where they play galinari at the three John Collins at the four, right? But then, like, other times when John Collins not in the game, I feel like they'll probably have Gallinari at the four and have, like, DeAndre Hunter or Cam Reddish at the three. Yeah, I think they have a lot of, you know, weapons now, I feel like, especially with, you know, their rookies coming off the bench. So, yeah, I mean, I feel like um, Atlanta has, you know, 
they have a bunch of different strategies to go with it. Because I was just thinking that if you're paying Gallinari that much, you would have to give him, you know, starter type of minutes. But, I, I mean, they could go with the scenario where, you know, he starts off at the three, but then he would kind of, like, play less minutes, but, you know, kind of play more. Would like would he take playing less minutes to play in his natural position, or would he just get starter type of minutes, but he would have to slide to the three? I'm, I'm not really sure, but you know, they'll figure it out. Yeah, Shayan, do you have anything else? With the Hawks. I mean, like like you guys said with the Gallinari shit. I mean, I, I just can't see them putting him on the bench. Um, you know, when you pay like what he's getting paid like twenty million right now. Yeah. I think they're gonna make him start whether like you know it's his natural position or not. For sure. <laughs> I mean, if you're gonna invest that much in Gallinari, you're gonna have to. You know, get what he produced in Oklahoma City. So, yeah. And, I mean, besides from that, another winner that I personally saw as well was um, your guys' team, uh, the Lakers. I don't know how a team like that can pull this freaking thing off, but they somehow got the sixth man of the year, the runner-up, and then you also get Marcus Saul and I miss you someone. Wesley Matthews. Wesley yeah. Matthews, yeah. I mean, I don't know how Rob Polika does this, but you guys keep getting better. I mean, you know, the Lakers, you know, obviously they're going to look for the repeat, but I mean, just I feel like the bench was one of the biggest question marks coming into last season, but that kind of, they kind of proved that wrong. But this year, there's no reason to question the bench because, my goodness, you guys have a stacked bench coming off i mean once lebron comes out you can pull in or ad comes out you can pull in mantras hero and all those dudes but i mean what are your guys' thoughts as lakers fans like i'm sure you guys are really happy but is there like any more like other feelings you have for the signings you guys did uh before we talk about the additions i just want to say thank you to javel mcgee and dwight howard <laughs> yes and also rajan rondo i feel like the way they like Sell out Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee was like, it showed that, oh, the NBA's a business. But yeah, I sort of feel bad for JaVale McGee, especially. And Ronda got his bag. And we traded away Danny Green, too, which I'm completely fine with. Yeah. And, no thanks to Danny Green. No thanks to him. I think every Lakers fan is okay with that. <laughs> yeah, especially because we got Dennis Schroeder. So, like, the projected starting lineup is probably like, LeBron, Wesley Matthews, KCP, AD, Marcus Gasol, and then we have a bench unit of Dennis Schroeder, Alex Crusoe, uh, Kyle Kuzma, Montrezl Harrell, and uh, I think Markeith. Markeith is still here. Yeah. So yeah, it's looking nice, and I'm. I I just went into this offseason like oh. If we could at least keep most of the players from last year, like we didn't even need to improve. I just thought if we kept most of the players from last year, it would have been a good offseason, but we somehow improved. I'm still shocked about that. Man, everyone wants to play for the Lakers. <sighs> yeah, I mean, it's quite obvious, like, uh, like no mean to brag, but we're quite obviously, like, the winners of the offseason. I don't think you can, like, really do much better. Like, the only hole that they had was like lacking creation off the bench 
or just in general other than like AD and LeBron. But once you get like Schroeder who averages like 19 points per game, that all just like goes away. Yeah, I think Dennis Schroeder was like the major pickup for the Lakers this offseason because, I mean, you just said, I think uh, watching the Lakers play, that was definitely one of their biggest weaknesses outside of, you know, the big, the duo who's going to generate offense for them when things get stagnant because I don't know, man, would you rather have Dennis Schroeder or would you rather have a guy like, you know, Avery Bradley or Alex Crusoe or Kyle Kuzma trying to find his own shot? I would, you know, there's so much more confidence in Dennis Schroeder. And I just think that kind of the criticisms that the Lakers got last year, it all goes away now because I remember when during the finals, I that was one of the biggest things why I thought that Miami would be would have a chance to beat the Lakers was because of Miami had so, so much more depth than the Lakers and all that stuff because you know outside of that starting five there's really not much other options for the Lakers but I think they just proved everyone that you know you don't really necessarily have to have the bench bench you know as long as you just have a got a group of guys that just know their roles you know that's more than doable because you know Miami clearly had a deeper team but. It obviously wasn't enough when you have LeBron and AD and other guys that, you know, ultimately stepped up. You know, like you guys can all agree, like, KCP and Rondo were really... Yeah. They exceeded your expectations, right? Oh, for the wow. playoffs. Yeah. Oh, man. KCP really got me frustrated during the finals. And Rondo, too. I just didn't expect it from those guys. But, you know, now that you have Schroeder, you have Montrez Harrell, I feel like you're going to have higher, higher expectations, obviously. But... They can easily live up to those expectations, and they're going to provide a much bigger boost, especially from Schroeder's end. So I think they just filled out all their biggest weaknesses, and I don't think you can really criticize like the Lakers team right now because their weaknesses are kind of fixed now. So just don't know what else to say. I mean, they're obviously going to be. They look like the favorites already. You know, before the season starts. Yeah, and, they look like the clear favorites. Yeah. yeah. None of that Clippers BS. I'm so <laughs> I'm so disappointed I fell into that trap. That was that was disappointing, but they're obviously the title favorites now, just coming into this new season and I mean they're the team to be on at this point. There's there's gonna be such a scary team to go up against every night. So I mean I mean I did hear though that LeBron in AD might sit out for, you know, like a small amount of the season because, you know, they have such short time to rest before the season starts. So, I mean, we'll see, but I just think they are the team to be right now. And uh, I also want to thank you guys for giving us Avery Bradley. I forgot to mention that. I think Avery Bradley <laughs> was a great pickup for us. And yeah, I appreciate it. I mean, we'll be back. We'll be back. That's all I can say. Uh, so, do you want to talk about the Heat then? The Heat, what did they uh, do? Day, yeah, they, they signed Avery Bradley. They lost Derrick Jones Jr., Jay Crowder, but did they also extended Bam? Yeah, I mean, I'm happy Bam got the bag because I think waiting a year poses a lot of risk on Miami's end, not even just Bam's end. Because I feel like if Miami waited out that year, you know, so much could happen in a year. I feel like. Yeah, walking up right now was the best available, was the best choice. See, especially after seeing De'Aaron, 
Jason Tatum, Donovan Mitchell, all those guys getting uh, max extensions too. But like Miami had no other option just to extend him this offseason. And I like the move regardless. I know I've seen some Heat fans really bashing it for not waiting long enough to for the next year's uh, free agency. But when you think about it in the grand scheme, what they had to do right now was – it was like the best choice ultimately, whether you know you think it's bad or not. But, I mean, you know, Bam's the cornerstone now for this team. It's pretty obvious. Um, and I – I see, you know, people still overreacting, like I said earlier, but I still think there's room for Giannis to come. I mean, I'm yeah, not so big. It's possible. Like, yeah. if they wanted, if Giannis wanted, then it would be possible. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you guys saw those rumors about how, like, Giannis was happy that Miami extended Bam this offseason instead of waiting next year for him. But I don't know how true that rumor is, but... um. I, I looked through the their sal their what is it salary sheet right now um and they're projected to have you know twenty five twenty eight million dollars in cap space so I mean I feel like Pat Riley he can work something out whether they trade some dudes I mean all the free agent signings that they did this season was one plus one deal so it still fits the timeline perfectly so I think Giannis to Miami is still a possibility but I'm not I'm not like the biggest you know adversary or like the big advocate biggest advocate for that because like i talked to shannon and justin about this but i just still question Giannis's fit with the heat right now yeah. i mean if bam could develop a jump shot and Giannis can someone get better too i think then it would be it would be a match made in heaven but for now i still question the fit with Giannis on the heat but you know obviously would i would not be mad at all if they somehow pulled it off but just looking at the 2020 2021 season um I mean, yeah, I like, I really like the BAM extension. Lock him up now because you never know what happens. Signing back Warren Drogic was big too because, I mean, I heard he was fielding offers for other teams, but, you know, giving that loaded one plus one deal, you know, it's pretty good. I don't get why people are overreacting about that too because people don't understand it's a one plus one deal. Miami has a team option, but they could just decline in next season. And then, um, I, I, I'm gonna be real. I didn't like the Myers Leonard resigning. I kind of questioned it. <laughs> Myers Leonard did not play that big of a role for us in the playoffs. Then the regular season, he was the starting center. So wasn't he injured? He he got injured, but that was before the NBA season went to hiatus. Like he injured his foot, I think. But he was out for a month, I think. But then, regardless. Like, after, once we got around to the playoffs, he just didn't play a role anyways. I just didn't see a reason to bring him back. On the Wait, playoffs. I thought he was injured during the playoffs. I thought that's why. Yeah, he, he would have no, been a just, beast. No, he was just the cheerleader off the bench. Oh, really? Yeah, he didn't play at all. Because when you're looking at the matchups, I guess it just... Myers didn't really... There wasn't really a need to put him in there. Because, like, when you look at it against Indiana, I mean, he could have played a little bit to match up with Miles Turner, but... He didn't play at all. When they played the Bucks, I don't think that would have been a good fit. Because um, I feel like, <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying this, but Kelly Olympic might be a better option. <laughs> I mean, it kind of shows, too. And then against the Celtics, there's no way Myers Leonard would have played against the Celtics. Just the size of the yeah. Work. yeah. For $20 million, for $10 million a year, I just, I just didn't know about that for Myers Leonard. But, I mean... You know, they say to just run it back. So I guess, you know, that's what they just decided to do. But um, 
my final remarks is I kind of wish we kept Jay Crowder too, but he wanted long term security. So, you know, I respect it for that. You know, we Miami, there's no way they could have offered that contract that Phoenix gave because it doesn't fit the timeline. So, uh, it's kind of sad to see Jay Crowder go because I, I I became a really big fan of him because I think he's like the the dog type of player and you know he's just he shoots he shot the three pretty well during the playoffs. So, I guess the Celtics he didn't. He was like. No, he started shooting really bad once we got to the Eastern Conference Finals, and then during the finals, he did not play that well either. But yeah. I mean, he was a pretty big reason why we beat the Bucks. Honestly, he guarded Giannis pretty well. He shot three amazingly during the Bucks series. So uh, I'm gonna miss Jay Crowder. Yeah, I mean, overall, the Heat's off season was kind of just meh. I just I like the Avery Bradley pickup. I think Mo Harkless too is like obviously no one would talk about that, but. I think Will Harkless is like a pretty good 3 and D type of guy that would kind of not obviously as good as Jay Crowder in terms of offensive game, his offensive skills. But I think Will Harkless would be a pretty is a pretty underrated pickup too. But I mean, I'm confident Miami can go back to the finals again this year. So and that's all I have to say. It was just kind of a quiet off season. Really, against the improved Bucks. Improved Bucks? Come on, it's only Drew Holiday. Uh, uh, let's see. Do you want to talk about the Bucks? The Bucks yeah, gave. Let's go into the Bucks now. Yeah. Yeah, they gave like the draft picks for the next ten years to get Drew Holiday. I mean, uh, <laughs> you, guys thought, you guys thought that was an overpay, right? Three for I think pick swaps. That's that's like too much for a Drew Holiday. I think let's. I mean, you're doing this to also have Giannis resign, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I guess like oh. Just like three first round picks and two swaps to get Giannis to resign. I feel like that's that's work. But if Giannis doesn't resign, then obviously they got finesse. Mm-hmm. And let's see, there was a Bogdanovich deal that was supposed to happen, but then Bogdanovich said he wanted more money. So after it just didn't work out. I can't blame him. <laughs> yeah, I can't blame him either. I mean now that they didn't get bogged on, I'm kind of, I'm really curious about what Giannis is going to do because, you know, I'm pretty sure, I was a Bleacher Report that posted it, but then they, some um, outlet said that Giannis was banking on Bogdan to come. That was like his preferred um, free agent acquisition. But now that they didn't get him, I'm like really questioning what Giannis is, like, where his head is at now. Because obviously like they still improved a lot though. Yeah. Because... Yeah, obviously they still improve, yeah. but I feel like, you know, the at the end of the day, the biggest thing is, you know, adjusting or accommodating to your superstar's needs and wants. And if he really, if he said that he wanted Bogdan, you know, you would go out to get Bogdan. And they did for like a couple hours, but then that trade, you know, completely botched. So I don't know, like, how much of a difference that actually makes, but I feel like that kind of plays a role in what Giannis kind of wants to do now. But I'm not sure. Maybe I'm overthinking it. The Bucks also signed uh, who DJ Augustine, who I feel like is such a great pickup. Yeah, he's one of the yeah. best backup PGs, I think. Good pickup. Yeah. And because it's perfect, you replace George Hill with DJ Augustine. I think it they didn't lose much value there, and they also signed who they signed like Bobby Portis too. I, I don't really know about Bobby Portis. Like, I feel like on on the Bulls, Bobby Portis was pretty good. So if he could like just give them like that like 
plus the what do you call it, the energy off the bench. Plus I kick a shoe a little bit, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah. So I feel like I feel like that's a pretty good pickup too, especially because they don't really pay much for it. That's true. I mean um I mean do you guys think that Drew Holiday is gonna like really swing the bucks? Uh it's like, it's kinda of be gonna be in their favor now in the in terms of like them coming out of the East. I think it should be. Like I feel like even before they should have came out of the East. Yeah. I mean like, like they were the favorite. The Bucks, like I always pick them going to the Eastern Conference Finals with, you know, this duo of Middleton and um Giannis. But um, Drew Holiday, he kind of adds, you know, actually, like, more playmaking. That's also what they kind of needed. You can't have Giannis always be the playmaker. Like, you need to have him in the pick and roll sometimes as the big man. You can't, like, have him handling the ball all the time. So I think this takes pressure off him. And Drew, overall, he fits the Bucks really well. Like, a lot better than Bledsoe. Like, they aren't missing any defense with him. Like, he's one of the best defenders for a guard. And um, playmaking-wise, you know, he's always averaged, like, seven, eight assists a game. So he's still going to put up the same production. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I still think that it was a little bit of an overpay in terms for the oh, Bucks. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. But, I mean, Drew Holiday is still one of the most underrated players in the league. I mean, he's one of the best two-way players, especially in terms of guards, guard play, like, my guy can, he's one of the best perimeter defenders. Like, Kevin Durant even said that Drew Holiday was like, he's like one of the, I think, Katie said he's like the best defender that he's ever played against. So, like, I mean, that's pretty high praise. And Drew Holiday's game shows it too. I mean, he just played for a team that didn't get much attention. So, like, the casual fan wouldn't know the impact that Drew Holiday has on a team. But I still have, <laughs> this is all, my bias is so bad. I still have. God, teams like Miami coming out of beating the Bucks still, but I I would not be surprised if the Bucks did come out of the East still. If if Giannis can can still improve and you know, I think if he can find a way to exploit the wall defense that he's like that's like been his kryptonite these like past two years, I think if Giannis can just develop just a little bit more to kind of neutralize that defense, I think it would be it would be kind of a game over for the East. Yeah, and I think the Bucks have a much better chance of getting in, but I think the two biggest uh, ex- two biggest factors for the Bucks to come out of the East for me is one, it's Giannis's ability to kind of break down the defense, and you know, his getting help. And I think another one is still it's coach, it's Mike Budenholzer. Bro. I think that's the biggest factor for me. If he's gonna keep doing that thing when he did against Miami, where he played Giannis like what thirty minutes, thirty two minutes, yeah, he's not even. And Giannis isn't even like being asked to guard Jimmy Butler. I don't know, man. There's Budenholzer needs to, you know, get fired at that point if he's not gonna be able to adjust to what the coach like the other coach is doing, you know, during the game. Because yeah. that's, that's like his biggest criticism. He's he's very narrow minded. He's not willing to adjust to a different game plan, you know, when they're down. So I feel like those are the two biggest factors, obviously. And I mean this this upcoming season is gonna be this is this is the make or break for them. If Giannis doesn't sign that max extension by what is it, December twenty first, I think, man, the Bucks are. This is like, a, this is like the most dire situation for them because if Giannis is not going to sign that extension, you know, that says a lot about where they're at. And if they get bounced out like in the second round again, 
man. Might as well just start, you know, rebuilding at that point for the Bucks. It's sort of hard to without your first round picks, though. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> they invested that yeah, much. They went the all in, bro. They better hope that you know this really works out well for them. But we'll see. I really think it will because yeah, I, will. I just feel like Drew Holiday. Like when there's that wall defense on Giannis, Drew Holiday could still like find either find his own shot or find uh, someone else's shot. So yeah. I feel like Drew Holiday is just such a great pickup. I, I think yeah, problem, yeah, I'm scared. I'm really scared of the Bucks yeah. now. I'm not really scared, but I'm much more scared of the Bucks than I was last year because honestly, I did I tell you guys? I don't think I told you guys, but when we when Miami was playing the Bucks, there was not much there weren't many moments where i was genuinely scared because <laughs> i feel like miami just had the upper hand the entire time yeah yeah like what i know a lot of people were shocked but like i was like dude a lot of people should have just seen this coming but now that they have true holiday it's like it's like one more guy to really worry about but this guy is you know actually really good so i'm pretty you know the bucks you know caught my attention for real now but yeah and then, oh, something I wanted to ask you guys was um, on Instagram, I saw this rumor that AD, the only reason why he's waiting this long to sign his extension is because um, he wants to see what Giannis does. And if, like, I saw something like how AD would take a one plus one for the Lakers to try and sign Giannis next offseason. Like, yeah, that's not happening. That's so BS. <laughs> First of all, I don't think AD would even want to take a one plus one, regardless of the situation. Exactly. Like AD's gonna get like a. Is he eligible for a five year extension? I. I think so, right? Because um, he made an All NBA team. No, like I, I forgot the qualifications. I I have no clue, but whether it's four years or five years, I don't think AD would pass up on that situa- that contract at all. So, like he's gonna take the max, um, contract. That, that just pissed me off looking at it. Like, how much? How many more Lakers rumors are we gonna get, man? This is getting ridiculous. Man, watch it happen too. <laughs> if it happens, I'm not watching the NBA. This this podcast, I'm gonna just I'm gonna just leave this thing. If Giannis goes to the Heat, Lakers, that's just ridiculous. Um, one yeah. team I actually did want to talk about, like, um, when we were talking about like teams going into the playoffs, we were this was one of the teams we were kind of like you know, could go anywhere, could make the Eastern Conference Finals first-round outing. And obviously, they were first-round outing, um, this Philadelphia 76ers. Um, I think this offseason was a pretty big dub for them. Their biggest, like, I mean, obviously, like, their biggest problem is deciding between Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. But if they really, like, desperately want to keep them both together, then I think what they did was, like, the best that they can do. They got, like, shooters with um, Seth Curry and I guess you can say Danny Green. I mean, I don't know if he's a shooter anymore, but... <laughs> like, <laughs> I feel like Danny Green would do pretty well with... Danny or at least yeah. I hope for Danny Green and the Sixers. Yeah, so I think that's, like... They're still, like, very scary. I mean, yeah, I think the Sixers had... A, they had a dub off season. For, like, honestly, I don't think 
the obviously the main like the focal concern is the fit with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, but I just thought that getting the front office, you know, getting yeah. all that sorted out was the biggest issue. Not having like a direction, because like. Honestly, Elton Brand really screwed it up last offseason. I just felt like there was no direction for the Sixers. But getting Daryl Morey was... I think that's the biggest dub for them. Getting Daryl Morey yeah. in office. Because he knows what he's doing. And, man, getting rid of... I never thought that the Sixers would already get rid of Al Horford's contract. But getting rid of that is a huge dub in itself. Yeah. I mean, who else did they get? They got, you know, Seth Curry. Um, Dwight Howard. Draft, yeah, Dwight Howard. And I thought their draft pick... Uh, I think his name is Tyrese Maxey. I was looking through his um, stuff. He's like, he's a really good shooter too. So that, you know, they made all the right moves. I feel like this offseason. Um, I feel like the Sixers still, you know, this is another thing where, another year where they have to, they just have to play it out this uh, regular season to see how it works. But I think this, by the end of this season, I think it'll be really telling whether or not they, they'll, you know, keep Embiid and Ben Simmons or they'll trade one of them. I feel like next offseason is going to be that time when they'll make that final decision. But, yeah, and just in general, Daryl Morey just did all the right things possible. I mean, then all those rumors are floating around, you know, Harden for Simmons, all that stuff. And then, you know, people are really questioning how Joel Embiid fits with Ben Simmons. But I think Daryl Morey just made the, all the right moves. I think it'll work in short yeah. in the short term like for now i think um all these guys are gonna fit in well with what ben simmons and Embiid have in terms of their skill set and i think the sixers expectations are high again like i don't yeah. think my expect i don't think people's expectations for them dropped especially with these moves i think they'll still be like a top 10 team that people are going to talk about and i think I can't. I don't. I would say that I wouldn't you know, bet on them being first on X's this year. I think they can go a little bit further. Yeah. But I think another thing too, it's Doc Rivers. If oh. if Doc Rivers can get the best out of those guys, like what he did with the Clippers a couple years ago, and he finds like the best system possible for those guys to operate, I think the Sixers can go pretty deep and they'd be a pretty big threat. Because I feel like, like can you say that Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons are still developing? I feel like for Ben Simmons, the biggest thing is the jump shot still, but I feel like Ben Simmons is kind of reaching his peak right now in terms of playmaking, defensive, you know, his yeah. defensive game. And then I feel like Embiid has always just been a top two center and then, you know, it just comes out to health for Embiid. So I just think, I mean, if Doc Rivers can coach well, not do what he did with the Clippers last season, I think the, the Sixers have, are they're going to be a top four team this season maybe. I can see that happening. I mean, yeah. <laughs> That's all for the Sixers, though. Um, I mean, do you guys have anything else to say about the Sixers? Uh, not really. But a team that I really want to talk about, who I could legitimately see going to the top three of the West, is the Portland Trailblazers. I really like oh. many of their moves they did. Like, Adding Robert Covington, um, just re-signing Melo. And I feel like this is probably the most stacked team Dame has had in his whole career. Yeah, or like Dame. at his peak, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's kind of sad to say, to be honest. But yeah, Dame, I think Dame has a lot more 
help now. I mean, they lost Whiteside, so unfortunate. But they got Enos Cantor. It's fine. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Whiteside doesn't. <laughs> Dude, it's kind of hold on. It's kind of sad how Whiteside fell off. He went from a mass contract in Miami to getting a. I think it was like a. Was it a veterans minimum or he's not like a minimum deal with the Kings? It's kind of sad how Whiteside kind of fell off, but I mean. Yeah, they got Enos Cantor. They got Robert Covington. Um, Derek Jones Jr. Oh, yeah, they got Derek Jones. I think Derek Jones is going to play a pretty, pretty big role. Portland got a good guy in Derek Jones Jr. Um, let me see. They also got Harry Giles. I mean, I don't know how much of a difference Harry Giles is going to make, but he has high potential, though, I think. But, yeah, I feel like this team, if they can just, you know, they kept the key guys, Rodney Hood, they still have, you know, Gary Trent. I think he showed a lot in the bubble. Um, you still have Zach Collins coming back, too, from his injury. I think this group is, they have a lot of expectations now. I think, that like, last season was a really big disappointment for those Blazers, but I think they can come back to where they were two years ago. And, you know, you said it. I think this is the most help Dame has gotten in his time in Portland. So, yeah, I mean, I feel like, the trailblazers might be a hit or miss like they can either be you know really high seed or though i feel like there's a possibility they could be right where they were last season they might end up being the eighth or the seventh seed but i feel I like Portland, last season really... last season it was a lot on injuries, injuries right like, yeah, it was yeah. bad luck but... was gone like almost the whole season yeah i'm hoping that doesn't happen but if if everyone stays healthy definitely they'll be a top top four seed maybe top three maybe but um yeah i mean it just comes down to the health and i think i think they can live up to the expectations though i mean you know dame's always just gonna be that guy top top 10 player <laughs> which i yeah. say dame's top 10 yeah yeah top 10. No, i would say he's top 10 yeah so i mean you have a top 10 guy like him you still have cj mccollum all those guys so i mean yeah the blazers gonna be a pretty dangerous team to so yeah do you have anything else for the Blazers I mean for the Blazers like they've always been you know those one of those teams that's just been kind of like hanging around in like no man's land like you know like just making the playoffs not really like doing anything with it but like I think these like moves like they're trying to do what they can with Dame because you know he's such like a loyal guy right and um you know he's expressed that he wants to stay in portland so like since they want to keep this duo together i think these were like the best possible moves they could have done if they actually want to like go through with it yeah like this like what the blazers did you know they're showing that they're gonna pay back the loyalty man i just can't imagine dame leaving portland though i know all that he said all that he does I just, I just can't see, like, him leaving. I don't think Portland would want him to leave, too. So, I feel like they would do anything to, you know, keep him satisfied. And I don't think... I feel like every season, we're going to see Portland making moves to try and, you know... I feel like I would not be surprised. You know, just keep trying to, you know, find the right pieces. Just keep trying to improve. So, I wouldn't be surprised if they just keep, keep making moves every year. But, yeah. I mean, I have... Like, Portland's going to be a pretty fun team to watch this year like every year and especially and, considering like how they've kind of come like a pretty long way they 
they've had the same duo, but in previous years they they've kind of learned from their mistakes of giving out like pretty bad contracts to players that like you know did not deserve it, like Evan Turner, um, Mo <laughs> Harkless. Like, why are they yeah. making like you know above ten million dollars a year? Yeah, for sure. But yeah, it's yeah. kind of crazy. They went from that phase, like Al Farouk Aminu, yeah. those guys. Now they have Carmelo. Who would have thought? Carmelo, Robert Covington, Yusuf Nurkic, Rodney Hood, CJ McCollum still. You know, I feel like this team right now is so, oh my goodness. Portland, yeah. Portland really learned from their mistakes, though. It's a nice team to, it'd be a pretty fun team to watch, though. Um, uh, I also wanted to get to two more teams. Um, I, I just wanted to kind of clown this one team. Um, they were I to me they were the biggest losers this offseason. It was um the Detroit Pistons. I just don't understand the signings that they did. Like, to be they honest. Let go of Christian, Christian Wood for bro, nothing. That's such a fat yeah, one. nothing. That's I mean obviously he was he expressed that he was upset, like he didn't want to be there, but still getting nothing out of Christian for Christian Wood was a big L. And they signed Mason Plumley to a three year, like twenty five million dollar deal, and they got Julie Local for. I just didn't understand some of these tr- these transactions that they did, and then you know they traded away Luke Kennard to get um what is it? Did they not get? Oh, they didn't even get um. Uh, like yeah, they got first. They got first. Yeah, they got they got a they got a pick. Sadiq Bay. I mean, Sadiq Bay. I heard pretty good things about him, but a lot of people were clowning the their some of their draft picks, except Killian Hayes. Um. And I just, I just don't feel like they knew what they were like. What is the direction with the Pistons right I now? I know, right? Like it just feels like they're trying to contend with like these average to trash players. Like, wh- what are you gonna do with three years of Mason Plumley? Like, wh- what is that gonna do for you? Like, I mean, Jeremy Grant too. I, I, I kind of, I know Jeremy Grant ultimately signed with the Pistons for the money, but I just don't see why Jeremy Grant would want to play for a team like the Pistons because. Is he going to be, like, the number two option on the team? Like, number three option? I don't even know. Because, like, these are good complementary pieces to, like, stars. Exactly. Who do the Pistons have? Like, they have an injured Blake Griffin. Like, well, that's not going to do much for you. Like, honestly, they're one of the most, like, sorry franchises. Facts. <laughs> Man, I feel, I'm sorry for the Pistons fans out there, but, like... You're, this team just has no direction. I just like I just want them to make up their mind if they're gonna rebuild or not because they it clearly seems like they're not gonna rebuild. But like how I far is uh, I heard what they call it, Jeremy Grant. I heard that he got offered the same amount uh, by the Nuggets. It's just that like he wanted like a bigger roar or something like that. So after that, he ended up signing with the Pistons. I mean, I can understand that, but like he he was so good for the Nuggets. Like yeah. In the playoffs, like, uh, he was probably their third best player, right? Because he provided defense as well as, like, pretty consistent offense. offense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just, I mean, I get why you would want to leave. Because I feel like when you play for the Nuggets, if, you're, if your name isn't Jamal Murray or Nikola Jokic, I feel like everyone is so expendable. Yeah. Like, Michael Porter Jr., you know, he finally got some playing time this year. And then, like, I feel like he's going to be a much more important, like, piece to the offense and just the team in general. But, you know, guys like Gary Harris, Will Barton, I feel like they're, 
they just kind of went MIA this season. Yeah. Especially in the playoffs. I know Will Barton got injured, but, like, guys like Gary Harris, like, I feel like people were like, oh, this guy's a pretty promising dude. But now it's like, he only averaged, what, 10 points? Yeah. And I feel like he's, much, he's a very tradable guy. And I feel like that's just the thing with the Nuggets. They just have so many options. <laughs> like, they just have so many, like, different pieces that they can work with. It's like, some people are obviously going to get left out. But, but I feel like, regardless, Jeremy Grant kind of played a pretty big role. But, I mean, I guess if he wants to, you know, prove his worth, then I guess you go with the Pistons. But, I don't know. It's just, like, I don't know how much more Jeremy Grant can do as a player. I feel yeah. like what he did on the Nuggets is kind of like his, like, that's, like, his um, role in the NBA. A great 3 and D guy. He can average, like, what, 13 points, maybe, and get starter-level minutes. But I don't know how much more you can do on the Pistons, like, is he like seeking to be like a twenty point scorer? Because I can't see that happening. Yeah. Or if it does, it would be you know kind of inefficient. Like he'd be chucking up like almost half the shots every night. Yeah. The Pistons. I mean, the yeah. Pistons don't really got many shot takers. Exactly. So. I mean, they still got D Rose and Blake Griffin, but I, I hope D Rose gets traded. Like, yeah, I feel like would have been good out. if this was like seven years ago, but you know. Yeah, they obviously can't keep up I, I with hope, the time. Yeah, I hope D Rose asks for a trade. I would not want to stay there any longer. And um, like, we we're kind of talking about the Nuggets, so I think we should transition over to them. Um, you're talking about how they had like so many options of like what they can do and stuff, but um, like that's one way of looking at. I kind of see it like they have too many options. They have these two like su- like. Would you call Jamal Murray a superstar? I think in the playoffs he was a superstar. So, like, I'll I'll just say that. Like, you have two, like, star-stud guys, right? But, like, the surrounding pieces, what are you going to do with them, you know? Like, I think the surrounding pieces, you had um, Jeremy Grant, who is, like, probably your third best player, but now he's gone. And now you're kind of just, like, banking on the fact that Michael Porter Jr. is going to kind of, like, step up and stuff and so you have like this big three that's surrounded by like like with who Volvo (laughs) (laughs) they also they also got RJ Hampton so it's like yeah another low floor high ceiling type of player yeah it's like I don't know how much more the Nuggets can do like how many more moves are they gonna make like this and I feel like and they say sometimes it's like a good problem to have with, you know, having a lot of good options. But I feel like it might come to bite them, you know, later yeah. back, later on. Like letting go of Jeremy Grant, I feel like I mean that was his choice ultimately. But I feel like just losing guys like him and then kind of banking on the development of their other guys, it might come to bite them in the future. But I'm not sure. Like I like I generally think that Denver does have too many options. It's like looking at their roster right now. They let go of a lot of guys this off season. Um, you know, like Tory Craig. I always thought that he was a pretty good, like underrated, you know, guy for them yeah. coming off the bench. But they lost him. Uh, didn't he go to the Bucks? If I'm not mistaken. I don't know, but honestly, after the way he almost threw the first round series, I'd trade his house too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Tory Craig went to Milwaukee, but um. Yeah, it's like now they're the team right now is Will Barton, PJ Dozier, Jam- Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, Monte Morris, Keita Bates, Diop, MPJ, um, Nikola Jokic, Paul Millsap, and Bobo. 
and they got you know two draft picks this um in this past draft. I think they have pretty high ceilings too. So I'm not sure. It's like the Nuggets are always just an interesting team every year. Cause it's like you're always wondering how how much better are the their two centerpieces gonna be, and then it's like who's the next guy to step up? <laughs> I feel like every year it's like who's that next guy. Like this year, you know, Jeremy Grant was that dude, but I feel like next year everyone's looking towards Michael Porter Jr. Um, so I mean, the Nuggets are always going to be contending to be the top half of the Western Conference. I feel like, you know, you can't go wrong with the Nikola Jokic Jamal Murray duo, and I feel like this season is going to tell whether or not Jamal Murray cements himself as a superstar. Because I feel like there's always a possibility that the playoffs are just kind of a fluke. Like yeah. Miami, run to the finals, you know, something like that. I don't know. That's BS. But I'm high on Jamal Marino. I think he really showed what his potential could. Like he's he can reach that potential that everyone was talking about. But I'm just wondering who's the next guy to step up for the Nuggets. Like you never know. Bobo might get more minutes now, and you know he can be this you know like unicorn type of player. So we'll see. But man, it's always the Nuggets. It's very you know. Interesting team, you know. It's always interesting what their moves are, but um, yeah, it's pretty much. I don't know what else to say about the Nuggets, but um, so another team that I really wanted to talk about was Phoenix because, like, they were kind of in the headlines this past off season yep. for obvious reasons. You know, getting Chris Paul and you know getting rid of a lot of guys that people you know kind of viewed as good players like Kelly Oubre. The GOAT Aaron Baines is gone now too, <laughs> but I feel like with this Chris Paul trade, I think it says a lot about what the Phoenix Suns are doing this this upcoming season. And you guys think they're playoff locks, right? Yeah, actually, I don't know actually, about locks because the the it's, West it's is just really that too but much. they're playoff. Like I'd say they're more likely to make the playoffs than not make the playoffs. Yeah. yeah. How far do you guys think the Suns can go this year? I think they can pull off an upset in the first round if they face someone like the Clippers or like the Nuggets, but like otherwise, I don't see them going too far. Uh, yeah, I can see them going to like second round. Yeah, then, yeah, for sure. I feel like if Chris Paul can, if he can stay healthy like he did last season. And you know, it wasn't like a you know one year outlier where he actually stayed healthy for once. Man, this team is gonna be so good, honestly. Because yeah. I feel like like guys like Mikel Bridges, Cam Johnson, those guys are gonna benefit from Chris Paul's play style, especially DeAndre Ayton too. I think yeah, I guess DeAndre Ayton becoming like a juice DeAndre Jordan, like what he was on the Clippers. Because yeah. you know DeAndre Jordan made an All NBA team. Well, <laughs> Playing with Chris Paul, so I feel like DeAndre is in like such a good position right now. I feel like his development is going to be like boosted because of Chris Paul's play, and like the biggest thing is Devin Booker. I think with Chris Paul on the team now, I feel like Devin Booker. There's going to be some sort of like element to Devin Booker's game that we've never seen before that might be unlocked with Dev- with Chris Paul because. You know, his entire time in Phoenix, he has he has had to been like the primary ball handler. He's like creating shots on his own. He had to make shots for his teammates. Um, you know, and he's still putting up like twenty eight points a game with all those with all that offensive, you know, 
burden on him. But Chris Paul's going to take a lot of that off of him. And I feel like Devin Booker's going to... I feel like there's going to be something unleashed in Devin Booker this season that we've never seen before. I think it's going to be... Booker his becomes an elite defender. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. You never know, man. Like something, just something about Devin Booker's team. I'm, I have really high hopes for Booker. I feel like something is going to like push him to become... You know, like a superstar. Like he's gonna cement his spot as a superstar, and you know, we were not gonna just say like, "Oh, Devin Booker's just putting up these stats because he's on such a bad team." I feel like he's gonna put these stats, and it's gonna mean something now. So, yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to Chris Paul the that backcourt. Like honestly, the Chris Paul Devin Booker backcourt could be like top three. Is it top five? Like top three? Honestly, I could see it being top three. Like, who, what other better backcourt is there? Dame CJ, you think? Dame CJ I think they're around, like, the same level, if we're being honest. Yeah, like, in terms of, when when you're looking position by position, Dame and CP, I would say Dame's better. But then when you're looking at CJ and Devin Booker, Devin Booker's, I think, way better, so. Yeah, the like, gap. The gap much more between Dame and CP isn't that big, so. Exactly. I mean, you could make an argument whether or not it is or isn't, but I feel like, yeah, Chris Paul is, he still got it, so it's much more debatable, but I feel like for me, it still would have been Clay and Curry as the best backcourt, yeah, but easily. Like Clay is out, unfortunate. I feel Plus like... <laughs> Honestly, after, after everything that's happened, I'm kind of like, you know, kind of down on them, because... I feel like in terms of pure talent, when we're talking about individual talent... I feel like there's not much of an argument to be made about Westbrook and Harden. I feel like they would be the best duo, but man, in terms of the fit and how they actually work as a duo, it's not there. They're not really up there. Top five still, I think, but I feel like Chris Paul and Devin Booker would be so much better than Westbrook yeah. and Harden. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to Phoenix this year. I think just the West in general is going to be so much more fun. I mean, they were already a fun yeah. conference to watch, but you know, now that I feel like one through, honestly, like one through twelve would be such a toss up in the Western Conference. Or the three. Uh, I feel like the three teams that still would not make much noise is the Thunder. I feel like the Thunder they kind of yeah. they're gonna yeah. be di- they're obviously gonna digress this season. Tank for Kate Cunningham. Yeah, but like, um, the you have the. The Thunder. To be honest, I feel like the Spurs are just kind yeah, of... Yeah, they're done. I'm sorry. Yeah, I feel like the Spurs are just out of the picture. And Kings? Yeah, I, I don't think the Kings are going to make it. If you have a coach like Luke Walton, you're not going to be in the conversation. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I'm just telling you, like, I feel like the first four top... Like, even just, like, one through three is kind of debatable. I feel like, in terms of, like, who's for sure going to the playoffs, it's the Lakers, it's the Clippers... And it's the Nuggets. I feel like that yeah. people can confidently say those are the top. Those are the three teams that would definitely make the playoffs. But then from there, like the seeding is, it's so like Close. up in the air. Like the Mavs, the Jazz, you know, the Blazers, the Suns, even the Rockets. It's it's like such a toss up of where those guys would end up, you know, being placed in the Western Conference and the Warriors too. You know, they're not out of the picture too. The yeah. Western Conference was crazy, and then I think the NBA decided to do the play-in tourney again. So then, guys like the Pelicans, the Timberwolves, the Grizzlies—they're all still in the picture as well. 
But I think this has to be the season where they, like, look at it and they go, okay, we have to, like, start taking a look at abolishing conferences. <laughs> I feel like the in terms of parity between conferences, man, it's just it's, not there anymore. It's so far. Like, Eastern conferences, I mean, last year, too, it kind of shows. If you had the Hornets or the Wizards, oh. they freaking played in the bubble, but they ended up with the worse record than the Hornets. Yeah, like, that's, that's, that's so well, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure they got, they won the last game, so then they ended up, like tying with the Hornets, I think. Yeah, but even but still, then, like that's kind of sad. Yeah. You go in the bubble to kind of compete for that last spot, but you end up being the worst record, or like at the same record as the teams that didn't make it to the bubble. It's kind of sad. Wizards are gonna be good this year, though. Yeah, like, probably. Ah. I mean, hopefully John Wall comes back and you know he plays like the the All NBA guy he was like three years ago. I like John Wall, but I'm not too high on what he's gonna produce this year. I think that's crazy though. Like John Wall's been out for two years already. Yeah, we people already forget that, like what he was twenty seventeen. Oh, that's just crazy to say twenty seventeen. He just hasn't played that in that in so long. It's crazy. Like he was great, but I don't know. They should try to look to trade that contract immediately. Yeah, I don't know why he. I don't think they could get enough value. I feel like. I mean, that's why the only rumor you hear is Russell Wester for John Wall. <laughs> Bro, that's such They're, a they're like at trade. the same value at this point. With that contract and, you know, like, playing, like, they're, like, what they produce on the court, I feel like that's, like, the only value you can get, really. It's within each other. But I feel like I don't get why John Wall was so butthurt. I mean, I don't know if that rumor is true, but, like, I don't know why he was so upset about hearing um, the Wizards said focusing on Bradley Beal. Like, Bradley Beal is, like, the clear... He's like the better player at this point. Yeah, yeah. I, I think he's pretty much clearly the better player now. Yeah, I mean, John Wall has advantages towards uh, over Bradley Beal, but health, man. It comes out to health, and Bradley Beal is producing you know, 30 points per game, and he's improved his playmaking too, so I feel like Bradley Beal is that guy to center around. And uh, I always thought that John Wall might not... I, I'm really hesitant on John Wall's, like, return, because he centered his game around athleticism so much. Yeah. You know, his speed and everything, but with a torn Achilles twice, was, was it Achilles or is it AC? I can't remember. I think it, he did towards tor- Achilles, but I think it was only once. But, like, he had two major injuries, right, in two years. Yeah. Like, man, those things really take away from your ability, your athleticism, I feel like, and... You know, not a lot of people recover from those well. So I feel like John Wall's game really has to be, you know, kind of manipulated to kind of like a Bradley Beal type too. But I don't know if he can really adjust to that kind of style. Because, you know, I don't think John Wall can really be like the slashing point guard 100% of the time anymore. I feel like maybe half. Kind of just reminds me of like a Derrick Rose. Like, you know, like Derrick Rose centered around his athleticism a lot. But then, you know. Yeah. He changes where he's at now. So, I mean, if John Wall can't do that, I don't know how much longer he can really stay in the NBA. I mean, obviously, his contract tells him to stay, but, you know, <laughs> he's a productive player. I feel like it's kind of like a question mark. It might be like a the X factor of whether or not he can stay in the league longer is if he can adjust to his game. Stay healthy in his game's his, uh, play style. But, yeah. I don't know how we rambled about John Wall, but... Yeah. You want to talk about Gordon Hayward? Oh yeah, we need to talk about that. Oh, like, Thirty million for four what years. Guys, what were your guys' initial reactions when you saw that four years, hundred twenty million dollar contract? Bro, honestly, it, 
he's a genius. Like I, I thought, like he was so stupid for turning down that like, um, one year the or like the player option with the Celtics. But bro, what the hell, bro? Like <laughs> I should have known that some team like the Knicks or the Hornets would do some like stupid, like move like this. I, I still can't believe it. Thirty million. Gordon Hayward? I honestly don't know what they see in him. Like, he's good, but, like, really? Hey, MG might have seen something we don't know, man. <laughs> Bro. I honestly would have thought, like, like, if you gave, like, Gallinari's contract to Gordon Hayward, I feel like that still might be a slight overpay from what yeah. Gordon Hayward <laughs> produced. Because I, I mean, think Gallinari was probably better last season, right? Yeah. So, yeah, because Gallinari paid actually like ten million less. Yeah, I mean, I feel like this is like a classic Hornets move. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> classic or guy like him, because this guy I watch on TikTok, um, he's a Hornets fan. Spawn uh, Yeah, Spawn I right? watch yeah. him. Yeah, this guy, he was like, he's a Hornets fan. And he's like, oh, of course I praise the Hornets, but then they do something like this. It's like, man, I can't imagine a Hornets fans feel like. You know they actually had a pretty good offseason for once, like with the Lamelo sign with the yeah. Lamelo drafting, and I feel like you know like they were they weren't making any dumb decisions, so it was like kind of looking good. And then here comes the Gordon Hayward contract. <laughs> like honestly, I like the pickup, but like I like seriously, you could have done this for a lot less. Exactly. I I mean I heard that um the Celtics offered Celtics and Pacers both offered him around hundred ten million. Are you serious? So like. Yeah, I read a report that the Celtics offered him over a hundred million. So I mean, like, if you're looking at it in that sense, then seeing the Hornets overpaying, uh, paying a hundred twenty million, may not be the worst decision because if Gordon Hayward were to take any of the other contracts from the Pistons, Pacers, or the Celtics, then people would still say it's an overpay. But like, man, it just had to be the situation where the Hornets just paid him one hundred twenty. So then it looks like a huge overpay, but. But he's probably the biggest winner of the offseason. Yeah, Gordon yeah, Hayward. Far. His <laughs> agent is the biggest winner, man. He finessed the bag. <laughs> for that. But, I mean, I feel like Gordon Hayward could prove us all wrong. I feel like he still has, he's still like, what, 29, 30? Like, he still has some years left in him. Yeah, probably like 20 points per game, 20, like, 1 points per game, and like, 4 rebounds, 4 assists, but like, that's like CJ McCollum type stats, so I don't, on a Hornet team, that's probably going to be, like, pretty trash, so. <laughs> All this to get bounced out in the playing tournament. Yeah, so. I mean, he's going to be solid, like, no matter what. Like, I still like Gordon Hayward. He's not bad by any means. But, I don't know. Like, that's just really suspect. I guess it turned out to be, like, a bidding war for Gordon Hayward, if you think about Which it. Which is like, crazy, because. If that's actually true, where they both. The Pacers and Celtics offered that much money, and then MJ just comes in last minute and offers like just a tad bit more money. Then it's like, okay, huh. uh, I don't know. I don't know Gordon Hayward's market was like that to the I point know. where he's <laughs> bidding on him still. But I mean, I mean, you saw it in Utah though. What Gordon Hayward produced then, you know, you can get good value for him. But man, it's just like the past like three years, it just didn't. Gordon Hayward just couldn't stay healthy, so it's always like that. There's a huge question mark with. Like Gordon Hayward, he's he's his contract's still gonna be up when he's like 34, 35. That's yeah, <laughs> that, he's yeah, not know, gonna man. be good. This could either bite them in the like this could either like turn out really bad for them, which I feel like the consensus thinks that way. But like, 
if you're if like let's say Gordon Hayward does turn out to be better than we all thought, he averages like what twenty three points, like six and five or something like that. That's that kind of seems ridiculous. But if Gordon Hayward like outplays what everyone thought of, like how far are the Hornets gonna go though? Like, that's, that's what it comes down to at the end. Yeah, like, and honestly, like, um, Lamelo, he's gonna be like really good, I think. But um, I don't think he's gonna be a superstar right out the gate. So like, once he's really developing, you're still paying Gordon Hayward thirty something million dollars a year. So you can't even like really begin to build around Lamelo because you have so much of your cap put into this thirty-five year old Gordon Hayward. Okay, it's a classic Hornets move, I guess. You'll repeat guys like two, two points, bro. Oh my god, I completely Nick, back Biombo and now Gordon Hayward. Gotta overpay these dudes to have like one good season. Um, not Gordon Hayward though, but like the Hornets just man, that's <laughs> just a classic move by them. They just label it the Hornets move. Yeah, I'm just waiting for like someone to pay like a max on someone, and then they just like average like five points per game. Like, I think that's going to be one of the funniest things. Like, imagine... Okay, I know it's not going to happen, but Grant, imagine if Bam comes back and he starts averaging, like, six points per game. Man, I would... Dude, I would be so devastated. I don't even know how to explain how I would feel. That would be feel. so funny. Like, you go from a season he just had to averaging, what, like, six and, like, six? I'll be like, dude, what in, what in the world? I'd be so devastated, but, like... Oh man, hey, at least Bam's twenty three. Yeah. <laughs> at least that's something I can rely on. He's young. Gordon Hayward is approaching <laughs> thirty now, man. And he's come on, look at all this injury history. This like it's just such a big like risk that comes with it. I mean, I also wanted to briefly mention about how the Celtics kind of took an L at the end of the day, even though they didn't have to pay Gordon Hayward this much to keep him. I feel like the Celtics still took an L from. Like not capitalizing on Gordon Hayward's, you know, departure. Yeah. Because you guys saw the rumors, right? How Danny Ainge apparently wanted Miles Turner and a TJ Warren or C. Victor Oladipo. Yeah, that's like, crazy. If that really is true, Danny Ainge is crazy. Like to think that Gordon Hayward has that much value, or he's like trying to like capitalize on the Pacers wanting Gordon Hayward by demanding those two guys at the very least is. It just kind of speaks a lot about Danny just like style of you know managing, and I feel like this kind this would kind of turn like I feel like this might backfire uh, potentially if they don't get a Miles Turner because I feel like Miles Turner really like for years people have been saying how the Celtics need a guy like Miles Turner, and you know they were actually really close to getting Miles Turner, but yeah. you know Danny Ainge kind of screws it up. So then I don't know. I feel like this could. Screw them up, screw them over because they're still lacking that center. I feel like like Mosterner was like that missing piece because like can Tristan Thompson shoot threes though? Like can he stretch stretch out the floor like? (laughs) Oh my god! Every time I think about him shooting threes, I think about that one play against the Sixers. Yes, bro. (laughs) When he dribbled, when he took it up court and he chucked it up near half court. Yeah, see, like, do you want that or a Miles Turner who can, he only averages, what, like, 12 points, but my guy can shoot, like, 40% from three, so it's yeah. like, I don't know, I feel like they missed out on getting, like, finding the missing piece, because I feel like if the Celtics got Miles Turner and 
it was like what Doug McDermott and Monster Nerf for Gordon Hayward. Yeah. I think they would be favorites. Yeah. They would match up well with the Bucks, I feel like. Because, like, think about it. I feel like it kind of mirrors it well. Kemba Walker, Drew Holiday. I mean, Drew Holiday is better in my opinion, but, you know, you have Jason Tatum now, Jalen Brown. Those guys are such good, like, a one-two yeah. duo. And then, honestly, I'm taking Jalen Brown over Chris Middleton any day of the week. Oh, same. <laughs> honestly, same. Like, Jalen Brown is a very good two-way player, too. But And then, like, Miles Turner, Brooke Lopez. That's, like, a kind of, like, mirrors itself, too. Yeah, but I'm still going Miles Turner. Because I think yeah. Brooke Lopez, he kind of did, he, like, we thought of him as this, like, stretch five, which he is, but, um, you know, shooting-wise from three this season, it was kind of trash, if we're being honest. Like, yeah. he shot, like, 20-something? Like, yeah, he shot, like, 28%. Yeah, that's kind of disappointing. But, like, considering last year, he shot really well. Yeah. But then, yeah, see, I feel like if they got Monster, they would have matched up pretty well with the Bucks, And then, yeah. you know... All the other top teams, like the Raptors. I mean, I don't know about the Raptors. But, like, they'll still be, you know... I was never high on the Raptors in the first place. I'm glad to say that. (laughs) Pascal Siakam. Oh, my goodness. It all depends on his development. If he's he's going (laughs) to keep doing tornado spins into the paint, man, the the Raptors are kind of screwed. But, I mean, I I don't want to bash Siakam. He might just develop, but... Yeah, I feel like the if they really just got Miles Turner, then I feel like the Celtics could be a you know contention to get out of the East. But yeah, I mean, I also wanted to talk about the Nets because I feel like the Nets are oh yeah the biggest. They're one of the biggest question marks. They have one of the highest expectations. I feel like coming into the season, but I don't know. I feel like there's too many question marks on this team for me. Like I mean, I've. I might sound biased as a Heat fan, and I don't want the Nets to be good, but I feel like there are genuine like question marks with this team. Whether you look at it from a unbiased or biased perspective, like I feel like yeah, definitely it's health and coaching. Those are the two biggest question marks for me. For me, for me, it's so also perimeter defense because oh yeah, our perimeter guys are uh, let's see, Karis Levert, Spencer Dinwiddie, Kyrie, uh, Landry Shamit now, Joe Harris. I don't know, man. Not a lot of defense. Yeah, they, they don't have... Not a lot of defense at all, actually. Yeah. I mean, I, I thought that if the Nets got Drew Holiday, they would easily come out of the East. Yeah, but... Um, yeah, Drew Holiday perfectly fits what they are lacking right now because, you know, you brought that up and that's, that's very, like, it's very uh, eye-opening now. Like, they really do not have defense at all. It's like, in terms of, like, in, like interior defense, too. I mean, Jared Allen's pretty good. Like, he's, like, your very typical... Um, a traditional center, but outside of that, who like who else did they have? Like, the I mean, only Jeff other Grant. defender they have other than him is probably Rondé Hollis Jefferson. They still have Torian Prince. Torian Prince is still on there, but I'm not sure. Like He's Kevin Durant, still, get playing time. But you never know. They're still my second favorites. Like, um, a lot of question marks, but I think this is like two of the most talented players in the league like they're i don't think they're the best at their positions because you know you have curry and lebron but like talent wise i think kd is probably the most talented player in the league and Kyrie is probably like right behind him yeah, yeah they have sure. skills, you know set of skills but i don't know health i mean if kevin durant come back 
80 90 percent then i would then you know the nets are going to be pretty good favorites but i mean outside of that then the supporting cast is pretty good too but uh, and then like i was also concerned about the coaching situation because steve nash first of all you know he's never coached before oh yeah gig and i was just concerned with what Kyrie said you know like a while back he said like how he doesn't feel like there's a head coach on the team yeah, but that stuff kind of sets a precedent for like what the Nets like kind of I feel like because Kyrie's kind of the leader of this team, like with Kevin Durant. And if he's saying stuff like this already, I don't know what how Steve Nash can kind of control the egos on this team. I know, but like also when you're not you're, you know, one of the greatest point guards in NBA history, I think you should be able to demand some respect from your players. Yeah, that's true. But my goodness, if Kyrie's already saying this stuff. Yeah, then then it's a wash. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just hope that, you know, their egos can be kept in check. I don't think Kevin Durant has, like, the biggest ego, but <laughs> I'm just caught up in Kyrie still. Like, yeah. I'm really concerned with what Kyrie says sometimes. I hope like, he doesn't he, think he's, like, the first option there or anything, because he's definitely not. He's not. Kevin Durant is clearly the first option. I think that's really funny, though. Like, how he said, like, oh, I'm leaving LeBron to be, you know, my own man, the first option, right? And then he yeah, goes he goes right back to Kevin Durant. Like, that's yeah, crazy. Yeah, arguably the best scorer in the league, so it's like... Arguably the best scorer of all time. Oh, uh, that's true. I think he... No, Kevin Durant's the best scorer right now, but, yeah. Like, he's, he has this case for the all-time score, because, my goodness. I've never seen anyone really like funny. Kevin Durant. It's crazy just how Kyrie... Goes from a situation like that in Cleveland to now, okay, I'm stuck with Kevin Durant. Never mind. I'm still the number two option. Kevin Durant's 32. I did not even know that. What the heck? He is? Oh, he's Kyrie. Kyrie's 28. Kevin Durant's 32. Kyrie's been like young his entire career, if we're being honest. Yeah. (laughs) Hold on. Are guys like Jamal Crawford still on the team? Dude, that'd that'd be crazy. No way. Man, that's still sad. Jamal Crawford played for like 10 minutes and then he got injured. He wasn't even that bad in those 10 minutes either. Like, he had like a dime, right? Yeah, it was just sad though. He scored, he averaged five points and three assists in his career with the Brooklyn Nets. He's 40 though, gosh. I mean, along with the Nets too, I mean, we all know about the James Harden rumors, and it's obviously died down now. But I don't like it. We were, yeah, we like were it. talking about how much we hate the idea of James Harden playing for the Brooklyn Nets. Because my goodness, I mean, I've seen people saying like, like, do you guys not know like big threes can just figure things out? But I mean, if you think about what the Nets would have to give up for James Harden, and you know, for it to even possibly work out, man, it would just not work. Honestly, I hate. The idea of a big three like that. Yeah. I mean, in terms of a financial standpoint, too, there's no way the Nets can get uh, James Harden unless they give up Kyrie. Exactly. I mean, you know, these fans can throw their Karis LeVert, Joe Harris, not Joe Harris, Spencer Dinwiddie, Jared Allen offers all they want. But I mean, Joe Harris got an extension, right? So it might work now. But then, you know, they can't trade him right now because they have to wait until... Joe Harris got paid, bro. I mean, but would the, would the Rockets want that, though? A Karis LeVert, Joe Harris, and then Spencer Dinwiddie, 
and like maybe Torian Prince for James Harden. I feel like that's not enough value. That that's definitely not. If I'm trading James Harden, I'm asking for at least a young superstar. Exactly, but the Nets don't have that, so. Yeah, they're paying um Joe Harris nineteen mil a year. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, it was like he a got the bag, bag, but wow. Yeah. That's why I feel like Harden to Philly is like the only place logical. I feel like it's realistic. That's the only logical move I see. But then, is Daryl Morey and then Mark Willie to give up Ben Simmons? That's a thing. I mean, seriously, what other team would be able to make an offer? Like, man, I, I keep seeing Miami fans saying, dude, we can get James Harden. But I'm like, dude, let's be realistic, man. <laughs> We would have to give up Bam or something like that. And no yeah, you have to give up Jimmy, honestly. Lakers can get him for Kuzma, probably. The Lakers, the Lakers, fan, Lakers fans be like, yo, we'll give up KCP and Kyle Kuzma for James Harden. I think that's a fair deal. Bro, I love Kuzma so much, but like, bro, the slander is so funny, bro. <laughs> oh, man. I need Lakers fans to calm down. You guys, Lakers fans make such unrealistic comments. It's really annoying sometimes. Like, I remember seeing, um, man, there were just some ridiculous ones I've seen. It just gets me frustrated. Like, uh, I don't I can't remember off the top of my head, but like, be honest to the Lakers. Some of the comments Lakers fans make are ridiculous. Like, they think, like, I remember some, like, mock traits, like Kyle Kuzma for, like, I don't even know. It was like some ridiculous star. And like, do Lakers fans think that they, Lakers can just get whoever they can because of their name? But it's ridiculous. Do you remember when there was a debate between Jason Tatum and Kyle Kuzma? Yeah. We were, we Honestly, I was adamant that Kuzma was better at the time. <laughs> yeah, dude, I can't think Kuzma averaged 18 points that season. Bro. <laughs> That's crazy. Bro, like. And it's like, bro, the slander is like for literally no, like no reason, bro. It comes out nowhere. Cause Lakers fans are just brutal. Like, like sometimes he doesn't even do anything, and he gets slandered, bro. Like, exactly. like I, I just saw a post earlier today on Hoops Nation, bro. Like slandering him. It's, it's what was crazy. it? Was it? Oh, like it was like, oh, Jason Tatum's excellent. Yeah. And after just <laughs> list a bunch of young stars, they said. Kuzma's pretty tall. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For no reason, bro. That's sad. Oh. I just feel like Lakers fans, like in general, they just you guys just have such high expectations. Like you guys For are no bashed. Reason, bro. I feel like I've seen Lakers fans just bash LeBron for just like one bad game. It's like, like this bro, dude was the twenty seventh for one bro. bad game. I'm just saying. That. Like that year when the Lakers didn't make the playoffs, man, Lakers fans were killing LeBron. I was like, dude, you guys need to calm down. I feel like it was everyone, right? Everyone was like... Yeah, I mean, a lot of people... Obviously, because it's LeBron James, so then all the... You know, LeBron isn't the GOAT haters. And then... I feel like I haven't heard any Anthony Davis, you know. Nah, Anthony Davis is go. Uh, Lakers fans are just different, though. Different breed. But yeah, it's... I don't know. I feel like it was always just Kuzma slander. And I feel like the reason why is because, like, 
Kyle Kuzma had like such a high expectation even just before this season. Like a lot of people were talking about like, oh, he's going to easily be the third option. He's going to average at least 15 and like a lot of our stuff. And then he just like underperformed. Oh yeah, I remember when you guys got Anthony Davis. There was like photoshops of like the big three: it's Kuzma, LeBron, and AD. <laughs> and now people are saying like the the third option is someone KCP, something like that. Not nah, Dennis Schroeder. Dennis Sh- no, 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 no. Before um, like during the finals, like oh yeah, 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 KCP. Uh, season ended like. You can make an argument like KCP or like Rondo was like the third option instead of freaking Kyle Kuzma. I just enjoy the Kyle Kuzma slander though. It's so funny because it's not yeah, my team being part of this scene of slander. Like that video I sent you guys, that kid that did the Kyle Kuzma impression. Yeah, it's no. like <laughs> the comments are like, "Hey, you're doing it wrong. He misses those shots." It is. It's just so funny to me. Yeah. Wait, Grant, I have a question. As a Heat fan, where would you rank them amongst, like, Eastern Conference teams? In terms of Eastern Conference teams, um, I'll break it down real quick. Because, um, I mean, the Bucks are obviously going to be the, they're the top team in the East still. I don't think you guys you can really deny that in terms of regular season. And then from there, it's kind of a toss-up between... Um, for me, there's four teams that I think... Oh, Raptors better I, not be there. What? Raptors better not be there, bro. No, I think the Heat are better than the Raptors. <laughs> yeah, sort of, yeah, bro. Raptors trash. I hate them. For me, the, the only teams that I see that are still better than the Heat in terms of talent-wise are the Bucks, the Celtics, and, I mean, maybe the Nets. I yeah, feel like the Heat are still team. better than the Nets right now, but it, they're still... A, for me, I'm just waiting on Kevin Durant how he plays yeah i mean once we see the whole unit then i'll like decide whether or not the nets are better but i still think the heat are in a better spot than the nets so tech but like when we're talking about the eastern conference teams i think miami's still top four yeah i'll, I'll put the yeah. heat at four they're top i'll four. agree i'll agree and then i'll put the 76ers and then i'll put maybe the raptors i'll have to i'm playing the raptors over the Sixers. i'm sorry Sixers bro, haven't bro, I literally team. bro Siakam's not taking them anywhere. Nah, I'm, I'm still hesitant on Siakam. If he's going to do, again, like, his tornado moves, if that's his only signature move that he can pull off, and he only gets, he gets like, you know, the defense you know, knows how to defend him, then I'm going uh, to have to put the Raptors below the Sixers because... He was like, so good in the regular season, though. He was, like, hitting threes consistently. But my guy got exposed so hard. I know. <laughs> I think it's mainly because, like, Teams didn't really know what his play style was originally. Like, um, they they were kind of focused. Like the season before, they're just focused on Kawhi, and after that, it was probably Kyle Lowry and then Siakam. But then once he got like into the spotlight, teams didn't really know what to expect. But once you know they got into a seven game series with him, kind of got um shut down by Jalen Brown. Yeah, for sure. I feel like which team to you has like a more like a lower ceiling, the Raptors or the Sixers? I think ceiling wise, ceiling wise, I think, I think the Sixers the have Sixers a have a high ceiling, but they also have a really low yeah, floor. Yeah, I, I like yeah, that. Yeah, I agree. 
Yeah, that's, I was like kind of like, I'm like thinking about which team would I place above, like in terms of like ranking the Eastern Conference teams. Because I, for me, it's the Bucks, the Celtics, and then Miami. And then Brooklyn would be right there too. But it's kind of a question mark. But then I'm like wondering, would I put the Raptors or the Sixers above? Because I feel like year after year, the Raptors, they're just so consistent. Yeah, like, they're very consistent. No one talks too. about it, but they're one of the most consistent franchises this past 10 years. And they always have like, these unknown players like Boucher well. yeah. just like yeah. come out from nowhere. And, like Fred Van Vliet like three two years ago and then you have Chris Boucher and even then... Kyle Lowry when he first joined, like people thought he was not good when he was in um Houston, yeah. right? Yeah. He was like a he's like a bench warmer pretty much. Like just like a role player and he was being yeah. tossed around. And once he got to the Raptors, he like established himself. I feel like Toronto and Miami are kinda of similar in terms of like if you want to, like, you know, revive your career or, you know, make your no- your name known in terms of, like, the NBA world, I feel like t- Miami and Toronto are not bad places at all. They're, like, the best places to kind of establish yeah. yourself as an NBA player. But I would have to go then. Like, it would be Milwaukee, Boston, Miami, and then Brooklyn. And then um, I would have to say Toronto for me and then the Sixers. Yeah, I'm still going Sixers over them. I'm just high on the Sixers. I don't know. I'm I'm just man. The Sixers just disappoint year after year, so I I, I'm like just still kind of hesitant with them. Then other than that, the Eastern Conference is so whack. Like I don't know what the the rest would look like. (laughs) I don't know where the pace the pace would be right there actually below them. But then other than that, like. Oh yeah, Hawks. I don't know, man. Well, honestly, just... none of those teams are gonna make it in the West. Let's be real. Yeah, no. And when we think about how these teams will fare up in the West, I feel like only Milwaukee, Boston, Miami, and Brooklyn have a chance, and then maybe the the Raptors. I mean, yeah, Raptors. Like outside like those top six, yeah. those top six literally—they're the only ones that have a chance to compete in the West. All these other teams have zero chance. I mean, they don't have a chance in the Eastern Conference then, like... Make it a 1-2-16 playoffs. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that'd be really fun, honestly. Uh, destroy parody, man. They're like, the Eastern Conference is so unbalanced. It's been like this for how many years? Since, like, what, the 90s? Probably. Yeah, before the Bulls. I mean, after the Bulls, then it's like... After the Bulls, it was like what the two thousands Nets. The that one year with uh, Allen Iverson. Yeah, it's it's just like one year teams that just like magically made it somehow. Yeah, and then the big three. That's like I feel like that's the last time there was actually. So. I don't even say the East was good back then because like it yep. was the big three, the Pacers, and then no one else. That's true. Hey, but that was th- th- those are good times though. The Pacers and the yeah. Heat. Oh, those playoff series were so good. Uh, back when Paul George was, you know, good. Twenty four, dude. Twenty four, Paul George. You know. I got a feeling Paul George is gonna do pretty good this year. Yeah, I think he's I gonna be good, but I don't know. I I like PG Slender, so. <laughs> we all love that, you know, the PG thirteen percent pandemic peak. We all love it. And yeah, I predicted I mean, it actually. I left him out the top <laughs> twenty-five. So, I'll wait. The Raptors lost Marcus Saul, Serge Ibaka. Who did they gain? 
for like. Maybe. Oh, and didn't they lose on Terrence Davis because you know he's like a felon now? <laughs> I think so. Come on, dude. I mean Toronto. They picked up Aaron Baines, DeAndre Aaron Baines. Baines. Aaron Baines is such a good pickup. And Alex Len. But then, so the roster right now is Matt Thomas, Pat McCaw, the 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 three time champion. Oh wait, yeah, they have Patrick. Oh, they're gonna they're gonna make it. Yeah. Norman Powell, Kyle Lowry, Terrence Davis is still on the team. OG, Pascal, Fred, Kurt, Chris Boucher. I don't know. Losing Serge Ibaka is pretty big. Yeah, he but. was really, really good for them. I feel like Aaron Banks could like somewhat replace that, though. I don't know, man. He probably can, I mean, but like, Ibaka was just like... Really like good. there were times where Ibaka really was like good. the second best player on the team. Yeah, especially in the playoffs, because like even going back to like the finals and stuff, like in twenty nineteen, like he was he was really really good. I mean, yeah, I feel like the the Raptors got worse for sure, but uh, I feel like they'll still be a pretty good team because Nick Nurse. I mean, he's a good coach. Yeah, so he's good. Coach. Figure something out. I can still see them being a top five team in the East. So I wouldn't be surprised at all. I mean, and you know, the honest to rap Toronto, you know, that's like a big rumor. Honestly, what? I wouldn't even be that mad if that happens because it's not like the Raptors have like, you know, that wouldn't be such a super team, you know. Yeah. What Giannis and Pascal playing together? Bro, honestly, just like trade Pascal. <laughs> Damn. Oh, we got a trade. We got a trade. Just now? 20 minutes ago. The Jazz are sending guard Rajon Tucker in a second round pick. Stop right there. I don't care. (laughs) 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 That's crazy, bro. Oh, my goodness. And then free agent Elise Johnson has agreed to a deal with the Raptors. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you see, Raptors are stacking up, man. Dude, they're, they're looking up. We're sleeping on them. But honestly, I wouldn't even be surprised if the Jazz didn't make the playoffs. Like, they've been, like, pretty consistent the past couple of years in making the playoffs. But, like, I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't make it. They don't really have that many pieces surrounding Donovan Mitchell. I mean, they got Derek Favors back. I mean, they got Jordan Clarkson. Is he even good, though? Got... Like, I don't even know. I feel like Bo- Bo- <laughs> Bohan, Bohan would still be... I think he can still put up that 20 points he did this past season. I think, oh, yeah. I think the Jazz are still going to be like a... They're going to be a playoff team for sure, but I feel like yeah. it's going to be a lower seed. I think I would be more surprised if the Jazz did not make the playoffs compared to if the Jazz did. I, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if the Pelicans made it over them. Yeah, that could happen. Oh, man. The Pelicans. I feel like they... I, I, is it just me? I feel like the Pelicans have the highest expectations coming into next season. One of the highest expectations. Actually, I don't know about expectations, but I'm, I'm thinking, like, hope. Like, you're hoping... I mean, look that at them. They got your... Eric Bledsoe, they got George Hill, they got Steven Adams. Oh, yeah. I mean, they, they should, if they don't make the playoffs, that's kind of disappointing. Yeah. For me, I, I, am, I, have, I have pretty high expectations for the Pelicans, because I feel like Brandon Eager, he shows now. He, he really showed this past season. He could be... That guy, I mean, you know, he's. I feel like he's the number one. He's the clear number one option now. And then you have veterans. I, I mean, think you have veterans. give it two more years of Zion. I think he's going to be the number one option. Yeah, I mean Zion. 
it, for him, it's just, it's seriously health. And can you just lose weight? I mean, that's the team. <laughs> bro. If, if he looks bro. like what he, if he looks like what he looked like at Duke, then I mean, it's game over. But if he can bulk up and he loses weight, dude, it might, oh, man, Zion's going to be scary. But. Yeah, I feel like if Zion is, like, majority of the season, if he's healthy, I feel he like the Pelicans should make the playoffs 100%. Yeah, because, yeah, I mean, their plus minus is super high when Zion's playing. So Yeah. I mean, who wait, who's their coach talking? Stan Van Gundy? <laughs> oh, yeah, huh? Uh, I don't know. Honestly, what I don't even know if he's good or bad. I don't know. Is he the coach that took them to the Orlando match to the finals? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he does like big men, so he might get something out of Zion. He might make Zion really good. He's kind of obsessed with big men. Steven Adams, pick and roll. Steven Adams, ooh. (laughs) We'll see this upcoming season. Yeah. I I mean, I just kind of want to end it off with um, some guys to look out for this upcoming season. Um, uh, I just want to mention some guys on the Heat that I think everyone (laughs) should kind of look out for. So, um, my boy KZ Okpala... Dude, this guy, <laughs> not he barely he played like two games, I think two or three games this past season. But now that Derek Jones Jr. is gone, he's gonna be the exact he's gonna be the like exact replacement for Derek Jones and his role. But my guy Casey, I think he's gonna break out this upcoming season. He's gonna people are gonna take notice because he has what a seven two wingspan. He's six eight. He's super long. I think he's a um, he kind of has a his offensive game is kind of you know unpolished, but. I think he's going to play a pretty good role next season. Like, it's, it's his time to shine. And, I mean, another guy is um, on the heat. It's like, I don't know, actually. It's pretty much. <laughs> I just, want, I just want to give love to KZ because he's, he's one guy I really like when they drafted him. And I think he's going to play a pretty big role next year. So, I need you guys to look out for my boy KZ. Don't be surprised if I draft him in fantasy. Don't be surprised if Rui Hachimura averages 18-plus this year. Honestly, I'm pretty high on what the Wizards should be able to do. I think, like, um, Bradley Beal, Denny, and Rui, that, that's pretty solid right there. I think, yeah, the Wizards got a pretty young, pretty good young core now. I feel like they're, like, heading towards the right direction. What's this in their young core besides Rui and Denny? I mean, Bradley Beal's technically still pretty young. If I'm being honest, so, I don't even know who's on their roster. So, is, Bradley Beal's 27. Never mind. I thought he was like 25. What am I thinking about? It's Troy Brown Jr. Still. Oh, yeah. Troy Brown. Hey, he's not bad. Troy Brown Jr. Yeah. He's solid. Dude, they still he was have a pretty Ismith. good fantasy pickup. I don't know. They had Ismith a couple of years ago. Davis Bertans. You know, they signed into that, like, huge Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hey, the Vlogvian laser, dude. Come on. This guy shoots lights out. Actually, yo, he averaged 15 points per game. That's that's actually a lot. He shoots like 10 threes a game, too. So, I mean. And they're like from like half court. Yeah, he, he pops a lot of threes and like from yeah. random spots. He's what Kelly Olenek wants to be. Every time in the finals, he would like. What is his obsession with pulling up for like those fading threes, bro? Bro, you don't understand how pissed I was. I think it was was it game three when the Heat only lost by like ten. Like 
they couldn't pull away, but you know why? It's because Kelly Olynyk. When we when we got like momentum, when we got like two stops in a row, my guy would just do these <laughs> random step back, pull back three. We were like, I was oh man. When I tell you I was raging, dude, I was like raging, raging. Like, dude, Kendrick Nunn was like, oh, he's like, he's doing pretty good. You have Jimmy open too, but Kelly Olynyk decides to just when he gets the ball, he's like looking around. Like, All right, I'm gonna pull it. He just pulls up a three. I'm like, dude, this guy's insane. What is he doing? Uh, I'm, I'm actually pissed. I'm getting riled up just thinking about Kelly. <laughs> you, you know, you were talking about, like, players you were high on. Um, uh, Actually, I want to talk about, like, the Warriors. Like, one player that I'm high on. Like, we say it every year. But I think this actually might be the year that Andrew Wiggins starts. Oh, like, come on. Bro, Andrew I th- Wiggins. Kelly Oubre's going to do better than Andrew Wiggins. That's my favorite. Can you imagine Kelly Oubre takes this? Wait, are they going to start together? They are, yeah. right? Bro, no, I don't think Andrew Wiggins. <sighs> I think Man, he's just, averaging at least twenty four points per game. Is it gonna be at least twenty four? He's the clear second option. I think he's doing it. I think Kelly Uber has a. I think Kelly Uber is gonna average more points. If I'm being honest. Nah, I'm just really high on Wiggins. I think for, for sure no both reason. guys. I feel like both Kelly and Andrew are gonna benefit so much from a full season of Steph Curry's play, but. I don't know, 24 from Wiggins, if he gets that, I feel like it's going to be super inefficient, like, every year. Like, Andrew Wiggins just, I, I kind of gave up on him. He just doesn't show any improvement. And it's been, what, it's year five now for Andrew Wiggins? Probably, like, year seven, if we're being honest. <laughs> Hold on. Is it year five or six? I think it's six. That'd be six. Wait, 15, 14, 15. Oh, actually, is it seven? This will be his seventh year. Yeah, oh my goodness. You know what I mean? Like, it's his seventh year, but we don't... Wait, he's, he's a veteran already. What yeah, he's a veteran now, but he, he digresses. Like, he literally regresses. 2016, 2017 was his best year. It's kind of crazy. Man. I don't know. I, will, I mean, if Shion gets this right, well, he's actually a problem. But I... <laughs> I actually do not have any hope for Andrew Wiggins anymore. I think he's just, this is what he's, he's going to just become in the NBA. He's just going to be just like a, it's kind of like a Jabari Parker. Like, he just scores. <laughs> like, that's all he does. Like, he'd be a better scorer than Jabari Parker, but like, to me, that's what Andrew Wiggins kind of feels like, kind of feels like now. He just gives you like a scoring boost, but like, other than that, not nothing else. He won't play make. He won't play good as good defense as you'd want him to. It's just like this is kind of the end for Wig. Like, this is like, kind of like the peak for Wiggins. Yeah, I think is that Wiggins has all the tools to be such a great defender. Exactly. Right? Yes. That's, that's why it's so sad to talk about because he has the skills. Like it's in his bag. So you wasn't he literally called Maple Jordan? I swear. <laughs> yes. Yeah, something like that. Because he shows it. He showed it, but he just doesn't put the effort in. So it's like really tough to just like just watch him play but he's 25 so i mean technically when you look at it he still has so much more room to grow but i don't know well wow, he's already 25 that's that's insane all right so yeah i mean i mean that's i mean we're gonna wrap it up here this is this is a really long episode so yeah. i mean i hope you guys enjoyed listening um I mean, we're we're glad to be back. Uh, we're hoping to keep a more consistent um, schedule for 
you know, podcast and hopefully uploading the website more often. Um, yeah, so uh, look out for bigger things from us because we're planning on, you know, improving the quality of our podcast. So uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, we'll catch you again next time. Peace. Do you want to shout out the TikTok? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So follow us on all of our social medias because we're going to start, uh, you know, posting more often on our social media. So uh, follow us on TikTok at swish.central and um, our Instagram is swishcentral.mba. So check, uh, give it a follow. Uh, check us, check out our content out. So yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. See you guys. Peace. Peace. Peace.